Hello and welcome to this episode of Manor in the Midst. This is part two of the mini testimony series. So last episode, Leonie shared her story of how she became a Christian. And I don't know about you, but I really, really enjoyed how she shared. And I particularly liked um, how she spoke about what a testimony is. And she used biblical examples. And I think that court imagery of of how we think of testimonies are giving an eyewitness account in court. Um, I think that explains it really well because it is just the story of my personal experience and me testifying to what I've seen God do in my life. Um, So the story I'm going to share is the story of how I came to personally know the God who created the universe, how I came to know that he gave his son Jesus to die on my behalf, um, and not just to know that, um, but to put my faith in him and to put my trust in him and surrender everything to him and to therefore choose to live a life that is dedicated to Jesus, to bringing him glory um, and I'm going to talk about what that means and what that looks like um, on a practical level. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going to dive in, I guess, because I'll probably end up rambling for ages. Um, but I was, like many Christians, born into a Christian home, which um, was a huge blessing to be raised by mum and dad that love God. Um, but my parents were actually not born into Christian families. I think there's like a misconception that um, because I was raised in a Christian home, I only believe because that's all that I know. And you can say that's true up to a certain age, like when you're living at home, but then like when you go to uni, you move out, that's when a person's got to decide if this is their faith or if it's their parents' faith. Um, But also I think people can believe that um, being born into a Christian home and going to church every Sunday makes you a Christian by default. But I remember hearing this funny saying that says, um, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in a garage makes you a car. (laughs) I thought that was uh, quite a funny, helpful um, analogy. Anyway, I'm going to carry on. So... um, I grew up in a Christian home and I'm an only child and I don't remember a time when I didn't believe in God. I went to church from since I was born and I always loved Sunday school. I really liked learning. I really liked school and so learning Bible stories was super fun. And um, I know that I had a good understanding of the gospel, which means like the good news, um, because I found my a diary entry from when I was eight and I'd written this little poem that said, um, God is good and God is great. He loves you even if you're eight. He loves to take your sins away. So trust in him and ask today. Um, so when I read that, I'm like, wow, I must have really known that I was a sinner and that I was loved and that there was forgiveness and salvation in Jesus's death and resurrection. Um, and so I just want to say as well that like being a sinner sounds like such a a harsh um term especially for a little kid that's like eight you're like oh why are you gonna 
why are you saying that you're a sinner? It sounds so dramatic. But I think we all know that when we were kids and, and now, we just we are, do wrong all the time. We think nasty things. We say nasty things, even subconsciously. So, yeah, I knew that I needed um, forgiveness. Um, but I don't know if I was actually a Christian at this point. It's always hard to know um, because I don't think my life was very much changed by this truth. It's like something I knew in my head and I like believed, but I don't think I'd really understood what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Um, and yeah, they said I was in church at this point. Um, it was quite a small conservative church. And at the age of 11, um, I was too old to be in Sunday school, so I had to stay in the service, and I didn't really understand what they were talking about. And a lot of the young people that I was friends with, like, they moved away, and so I didn't really have any Christian friends. Um, and then about the age of 12 or so, I moved with my mum to another church. Um, and this was a much bigger one with a lot more young people. And it was here that I really saw that these Christians had something that I didn't have. Um, they were just full of so much joy, so much faith, they were so happy. And um, I was like, well, this is what it looks like to um, have a joy that is not shaken by circumstance. Because I saw that these people, even though a lot of them were suffering with various things, they still had this joy because their joy was in the person of Jesus. Um, and there was a real power in that. Um, and sometimes people would ask me about my own personal faith. And I remember feeling quite uncomfortable um, when that would happen because I just knew that I wasn't quite right with God and I didn't quite um, grasp the, the gospel for myself. And I took part in various like outreach events with other young people. And we had to like go and pray for random random people in the shops in the town. And I remember feeling so awkward and doing that. And still today, that's something I would find difficult to do. So kind of by this point, I was around the age 14. And I remember a few times I did confess my sins to God. And I knew that I was a sinner and I knew that I needed to change. Um, and I knew that Jesus had paid that for me and I wanted to accept him, and I did a few times, but I think I expected to see some big change in me, and to like even feel some kind of peace or something, because I'd heard that some people have felt a peace. Um, I remember I also used to want to see a big change, because um, there are some testimonies out there that are crazy dramatic, and people that may have been, I don't know, drug addicts, or like, um, I don't know, really violent, angry people and then suddenly their addiction is cured and it's like a crazy miracle. But, you know, for a kid that grows up in church, like, everyone kind of thinks you're good for the most part anyway. Like, in school I was well-behaved, like, Sunday I was well-behaved, but I knew, my parents knew, I was not a perfect kid by any means because it's all in your head. You know those things you think, those um, words you say, I think a lot of it is in the in the mind, honestly. So even subconsciously, there are so many bad motives all the time. Um, and it can be quite depressing, honestly. Um, but um, I would repent and, and pray, and then I wouldn't really see a difference. The next day, I feel like I would just 
felt kind of awkward and carry on with my life. And I found speaking to my parents about faith also really awkward. Um, so I'm going to fast forward to the age of 15 um, in 2013. Um, and so this point, this event was, I think, what accelerated um, my faith and changed the way that I viewed Christianity. Um, because uh, in 2013, I found out that I had a scoliosis, which is a curvature of the spine, and that um, I would need to have a major surgical procedure of having my spine straightened. So they attach a titanium rod to your back, fuse it on, which is absolutely incredible how they do it. Um, but this was the start of year 11 for me, which is when you have really important exams. And I was, yeah, really adamant at the start that I was not going to have this operation. And I, I remember praying to God, um, why can't you just heal me? Like, if you heal me, this is going to be incredible. You know, imagine if for all the doctors, my friends, family, the nurses, if they just look one day and it's healed. I was like, that's going to be insane. You should do that, God. <laughs> um... I was also worried because I was doing dance GCSE and at this point I was really into dance and I kind of wanted to pursue it, I think. And so I was like, I have to do practical exams. This is going to suck. God, what am I going to do? Um, and even though I was praying for healing, um, he did not heal me. Um, and so I knew that I would have no choice but to rely on God in this situation because he was in control and he'd allowed it to happen. Um, and of course, when you have surgery like this, they tell you all of the, the dangers because even though they're quite unlikely, they have to tell you. Um, and like with your spine, it's such an important part of your body. Like uh, there was a danger that I could be paralyzed if something went wrong, went out of place. Um, and I remember thinking the night before that it is God that is going to move the hand of that surgeon. And... Um, I remember thinking about this lady called Joni Erickson Tada. I don't know if anyone listening has heard of her, but um, she became paralyzed by a diving accident at the age of 17. Um, and I remember reading her story about how she was, of course, so bitter and upset and frustrated and had no idea why God would allow such suffering. And hers was, you know, horrendous. But um, through that she reached so many people um, it was clearly God's plan for her life she learned to paint with her mouth because she was an artist and then she's inspired so many people done tours written books like had an incredible impact on the lives of of people and that was clearly God's plan for her life which was far more fulfilling than you know had she lived a life of of worldly distraction without him and I thought about her and I was like actually I want God to be in control because I also don't didn't know what I was going to do with my life at this point. There's always the pressure of doing well at school and, and passing and, and then going to do A-levels and then going on to higher education to go to university and then to get a good job and get married and have kids. And, you know, that's that's the blueprint, blueprint that we are given. And um, I was like, actually, God, you can just you just <laughs> take control, please. Um and I remember my mum had asked so many people to pray for me on the morning of the operation. And I felt so much peace when I went to the operating theatre. I honestly was actually fine. <laughs> I was like, I might wake up and I might be paralysed. There's a very small chance, but it could happen. But actually, 
my life, I don't want my life to be mine. My life has to be God's because then I will live the fullest, the fullest life. Um, and I just remember that um, when I woke up, I just had such a confidence in my saviour. I woke up and I was, it had gone really well. And I just remember that um, there's this verse that says, perfect love casts out fear. And yeah, the love of Christ cast, cast, it, <laughs> cast out the fear of paralysis of my life going in a bad direction. And um, yeah, I made a really good recovery. And amazingly, I, I was off school for like five weeks, but I managed to do my dance GCSE and I managed to do really well in my exams, which was like such a kindness of God. Um, um, so yeah, that's like one part of my life um, was me realizing what it is to surrender your life to God and the freedom that comes with surrender. Um, and I don't think after that, that I was suddenly an amazing Christian and my life was transformed. But I think that was the point where I started to really think differently. But even after that, I was still super, um, you know, not confident in my faith. I still wasn't like standing up and professing in school. I was still a bit of a coward, to be honest. Um, and yeah, I was still quite introverted, still a bit on the outside in terms of friend groups, like Christian groups. Um, and so, yeah, it wasn't like I was suddenly this incredible, bold Christian, but yeah, that really transformed the way that I saw being Christian. It wasn't just like believing these things and carrying on with your life. It was surrendering everything and being so freed by that. Um, so yeah, that's like the story of, of me realizing the purpose of suffering. So I suffered, I mean, not in a, in an extraordinary way, but I suffered and then I saw how God, why he allowed that to happen because it was for my spiritual growth, right? Um, but then there's another part of my life that I won't go into like loads of detail, but I mean, if someone's interested in talking about mental health and stuff, it is something I'm really passionate about. So if you want to um, find out more, then ask me or whatever. Um, but uh, my dad has um, an illness called schizoaffective disorder, which is a nice mishmash of loads of things like depression, anxiety, rational thoughts, mood swing, mood swings, paranoia, stuff like that. And like, I don't remember what I thought of this when I was younger. I mean, he's had it since he was like late twenties, and he's now sixty-one. Um, so he's had it all most of his life, his adult life, and. I don't know if I was that aware of how ill he is now, but as I got older and I saw more of the effects of his suffering, one of my big questions was, uh, why did God allow this illness? Um, because when I can see a purpose, even looking back in why something happened, I'm like, oh, okay, God, you're good. I can see why you did that. Um, but then when it's like something that seems so pointless, then it's harder to understand. Um, like, I can see how often a su suffering can point you to God and can make you rely on him in a new way. Um, but actually, with my dad's illness, it prevents him from, from drawing closer to God. So I'm like, well, why why does God want him to be more distant to him? That makes no sense. It doesn't really match up with what God says in the Bible about wanting to be near to us and stuff. Um, but I thought it was important to include my testimony because... Essentially what I'm saying is I need to know the purpose in God's plans. <laughs> I want to know God's mind. 
Um, but actually, why do I expect to know those things? Um, like, I'm just a tiny, frail human being, flawed human being. Um, and actually, when I look at my dad's life, I can see God's goodness. Like, he could have fallen away. He could have rejected God. I mean, a lot of people do, right? When they suffer like that, they're like, well, God clearly isn't good. But dad has made, been faithful. God has kept him faithful, right? So actually, I can see God's goodness in his life. And um, it's true that all things work together for the good of those who love Jesus. That's from Romans 8, uh, 28-ish, around the end of Romans 8 anyway. Um and I know that even if, like, there isn't any good that I see per se in this life, like, my dad is going to have an incredible time in heaven. Because <laughs> I think when you suffer more, like, when you go to glory, it's going to be even more incredible than it might be for me, who may suffer less in this life. I think people that suffer more have such an incredible hope to look forward to in heaven. Um, so that's a massive encouragement to me. Um, I'm going to start to draw this to a close because I feel like I've spoken a lot um, but essentially the point is God has been so faithful in my life and, um, I was, um, baptized when I was 18 and before I, just before I went to university. So I finally decided I would pluck up the courage to make this public and I would invite my friends, um, because Jesus has to be your all or nothing. And I was like, well, he's got to be my all. So I, yeah, had got baptised and honestly from then on my, my Christian life kind of took flight. Like I've experienced such depths of relationships and this the Bible is just an incredible book. Like I used to find it so dry and uninteresting and irrelevant. And now when I read it, I'm like, well, this is, this is the most extraordinary book I've ever read in my life. So I would encourage anyone listening, if you're not a believer um, and you you have questions, I will put some good like links to websites in the description. Um, but there, there are loads of great things online. But um, I would encourage you just to pick up a Bible and read um, the Gospels. You can also read them online. Um, Bible Gateway has all of the, has everything online from the Bibles see who this guy Jesus is. Essentially, that's my story. And I hope you found it interesting. I hope you found it helpful. If you, sorry if you already know my story. Um, but yeah, I would just encourage anyone reading to, um, if they haven't read the Bible in a while or God feels kind of distant right now, just, just take a moment and reflect on on what he's done, on who he is. Like, look outside and look at the sunset, look at the trees, look at the birds and the fields. And like, that—that that is the God that we, that we serve. That is the God that loves us, right? That's insane. Um, <laughs> and I'm gonna finish with a passage that I've been reading. Um, I mean, there are, oh, there's endless verses that I could I could end on. But one that's been particularly relevant to me today that I've been studying for my counselling course is in Philippians. Um, and this is what the Apostle Paul... The Apostle Paul had an insane conversion. This is the conversion I always dreamt of, <laughs> of going from, you know... He literally was a 
someone that persecuted Christians. He had them stoned. He hated them. He was um, like the most religious of you know his like his time. He was one of the Pharisees, religious leaders. He knew the law. He followed the law, but in his heart, he rejected God. He rejected Jesus because he was relying on on religion and following the rules to save him, essentially relying on himself rather than um, just crying out to God and allowing God to do the saving work. So in his letter to the Philippians, this verse really sums it up what it means to have a relationship with God and literally the whole purpose that any of us are here. Um, And he says in chapter three, from verse seven, he says, whatever gain I had, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. And Paul suffered a lot. Like, he was, like, shipwrecked. He was, like, beaten. He was, like, in prison. Like, he's been through it all, right? And he still said, I count. I have lost all things. And I count them as rubbish. So he counts you know he counts his reputation um his popularity his wealth his security everything his life even his physical health as rubbish in order that i may gain christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which comes through faith in christ the righteousness from god that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain resurrection from the dead. There's a lot in that. Um, Google it or message me if you have any questions about that because I'm still kind of studying it. But yes, this is the end of the podcast episode. Hope you enjoyed. Speak to you soon. Bye.